0: Good morning. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are thankful that you're with us in what we call our living room. Uh, the people in your life, they can, uh, they can be people who promote, encourage, spur on your faith, or they can be people who hinder, slow down, or are toxic to your growth in Christ. They can be uh, people who equip and inspire you to a deeper love and a greater t- devotion to Jesus. On the other hand, the wrong people can be incredibly distracting and destructive. In relation to our series title, they can be toxic and poisonous to your life and to your heart if you're not careful and wise. Uh, think of it in your own life. Just think to yourself, do you have some people in your, in your worlds that after encountering them, after spending time with them, you feel worse about faith and life in general? Uh, it might be a family member, whether in your house or an extended family. It, it may be someone at work uh, or a friend at school. Today we're talking about uh, radioactive relationships, and we are in week three of our series called Soul Detox, Clean Living in a Contaminated World. Listen to these verses from 1 Peter 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. As believers in Christ, our lives are called to look differently than the lives of those who don't, don't follow Jesus. And sadly, if we're honest, many times they don't. On the other hand, I mean, on one hand, we say we, we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And as we follow Jesus, and this is who we follow, this is our Lord and Savior. And on the other hand, our actions and attitudes sometimes don't reflect that at all. We believe in God, but live as if He doesn't exist And so a main focus of the series is to go after some sinful desires, as verse 11 says, that wage war against our souls. Romans 6 gives this great picture of how believers in Christ are to be slaves to righteousness, not slaves to sin, that through Christ we've been set free from our sin, and our allegiance is now to uh, the Lord and His will and His ways, and Jesus is the one who makes it all possible. Romans 6 would be a great chapter for you to read this week. And on a side note, you often hear me talk about that, to within my preaching, hey, look at this chapter, look at this verse, look at this section of Scripture this week. And you may ask, why don't we just look at it right now? Well, the answer is it would be too easy. It would be too easy to do that. As a pastor, I want to keep pushing us and pushing us and prodding us and poking us to get into the Word the other six days of the week, God's living Word, to regularly eat from the Bible, to reflect on its truth, to apply its truth to our lives, to share what we're learning with a friend or family member. If you and I only had one food meal a week, we would be physically weak and anemic the other six days of the week. The same is true spiritually. If our only meal, so to speak, from God's Word is on a Sunday morning, then we'll be weak and anemic the rest of the week. And some of you know this. Some of you know this from experience. So I encourage you to take notes. If you need a good Bible, we can hook you up with a good Bible. We have ESV back there at the Guest Connections. We have NIV, Life Application Bibles, as well back in the office with good study notes. So don't walk out of here. If you don't own a good Bible, we will get one to you. So in this series, we've looked at toxic words. A Christian's words should be life-giving and healing. They should be words that build up. Week two, we talked about, we looked at fears that can become toxic and basically begin to dominate our lives rather than faith. So if we are to have a soul detox, we must Reject the tendency to walk by faith and or walk by sight, but instead walk and live by faith. Second Corinthians five seven and Habakkuk two four. Today we're tackling toxic relationships. Remember, toxic is anything poisonous, uh, anything containing poisonous material, capable of causing sickness, e- even death. And if we're honest, there are people in our lives that are a toxic influence. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, "Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character." Do not be misled. It's if Paul is saying, hey, this is going to be a temptation. This is going to be tempting, an easy trap to fall into because we'll think, what's the big deal? We're just hanging out. And, but here we're getting this biblical principle that bad company corrupts good character. Now, what we might think when we read that verse, when we look at that, is that the inverse then is true, that good company lifts up bad character. But Scripture is saying, don't be misled. More often than not, not, and you might have experienced this before, that bad company is going to pull down your character. If you're a parent, you might have seen this, or you're currently seeing this with your child or your children, that they've gotten around a certain person or, or a group, and it's become toxic to their faith in Christ. It pulled them away from the things of the Lord. Heather has this phrase in our house, and be friendly to everyone, but choose your friends wisely. Reflect the love of Jesus to all, and be salt and light, and don't hold back on who you share and show the good news of Jesus to, but but be wise about who you spend considerable time with, who you surround your life with. Scripture tells us don't be misled. Bad company, it corrupts, pollutes, destroys. It can be toxic. In his book, Soul Detox, uh, Craig Rochelle talks about three different types of toxic company. I'm sure there are more, but these are three that are very common, I think, applicable to our lives. So I want to work through these three groups uh, for two reasons. One is that we probably all have people in our lives who fit into these areas, and we need to know, okay, how do we respond to this? How do we respond to it biblically? The second reason is that if you're a believer in Christ, we need to make sure that we're not falling into some of these categories. The first group of toxic people are the critics, people who are chronically negative. When you're with them, they they just kind of drag you down. They're often incredibly judgmental or critical. They're prone to gossip, complaining, pointing out why it'll never work. Nothing ever really seems to be good enough for them. They might believe that uh, cynicism is the fruit of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, cynicism, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and they just kind of lump that in. It's the tenth fruit of the spirit type of thing, and they love to serve as the contrarian or the devil's advocate, so to speak. And which, by the way, he, he does not need one more advocate, one more promoter in this world. Sometimes the criticism or negativity is is rooted in a heart that's spiritually proud, as if they've arrived and where they're just so spiritually ahead of those around them. And it leads to what the Bible calls, calls haughty eyes. It's not a compliment like, oh, she's got some haughty eyes. No, it's not a compliment, all right? <laughs> haughty eyes is defi- defined as showing arrogant superiority to others. It's walking with this prideful swagger. I mean, it, it makes the list of seven things the Lord hates. He detests. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 talks about seven things He, he hates. He The longer we know and walk with Jesus, the more our hearts should be prone to identifying with Jesus, who is the picture of humility. The more aware we are of our desperate need for grace and how utterly lost we are with Jesus, how totally depraved you and I are, the more prone we will be to extend that grace to others, help come alongside somebody and point and shepherd them toward Jesus. Sometimes the critical heart is not a reflection of being spiritually proud at all, but it's just a reflection of a hurt or brokenness that is in the heart. The cliche is true that hurt people hurt people, that sometimes the criticism is intended to to wound so they can kind of just falsely build up their own image or so-called righteousness. The people of Israel were prone to being critical. If you remember in the Old Testament, God delivers them out of bondage, feeds them uh, uh, from the desert. Uh, does all these miracles, all these amazing displays of His power and might. And they responded, oftentimes, of, oh, I just want to go back to slavery. We're just tired of this. Could we just go back to Egypt? Could we go back to being in bondage? At least 18 times in the Old Testament, they get called stiff-necked. Once again, not a compliment. Not like, wow, he's really been working out. He's got a stiff neck. No, it's not that. A stiff neck. It was a reflection of, of a heart that was prone to rebellion, not submit to the Lord's authority, follow where He led them, resist growing in humility. And so in our lives, there tends to be people who fall into this critics category. I remember when Heather and I were engaged early in our marriage and we heard this, oh, just wait, just wait. All that kissing, all that holding hands, I mean, that's going to go away someday. It doesn't have to be over. Now after 17, nearly 17 years of marriage, we kiss in front of our kids to gross them out, right? <laughs> Amen, that's right. And we do it on by design so we can plant seeds that a Christ-filled marriage can be a beautiful, joy-filled, joy-giving, life-giving thing. God's people should be people of hope, faith, expectation, anticipation, courage. If our lives are to reflect the God of the Bible, then we should be believing and praying that God can do anything, that He is the one who changes hearts. Nothing is beyond His power or might. It might find, I mean, if you find yourself being bent toward the negative, I have kind of a critical spirit, spend time in Psalm 65 this week. Be reminded of our great God and how He answers prayer. So there are the negative critics. Uh, another group of toxic people are those are the controllers. Uh, they are overbearing, demanding, manipulative, and those are just the mother-in-laws, right? I, I actually can't even relate to that. I, I say that joke. Some of you might be able to relate to it. I can't relate to it. My mother-in-law is in this room. Uh, she goes to Crosspoint, and I'm going to hear about that joke later. But, um, but some of you might be able to relate, so I Just saying that. I I love you, Mom. All right. Um, But did Jesus love mother-in-laws? Check it out. Mark 1, verse 29 this week. But all joking aside, we have people who can be controllers in our lives. They might even be abusive. They could use fear to intimidate you. Uh, Perhaps you always feel guilty. uh, Like, I have to do this so they won't get mad at me. And if I ask you to raise your hand, if you know someone who's a controller, some of you would not raise your hand because they're the person sitting next to you or the person in your own life. Like you intentionally kind of avoid going against their wishes because you know it's going to lead to a cold night in the home, cold week in the home possibly. Listen, a healthy relationship is not necessarily void of conflict. A healthy relationship deals with conflict with love and grace and humility and forgiveness. It might be a humbling, healthy conversation to have this week in your marriage, with your friends, just asking, am I controlling? Am I overbearing? And ask someone who loves you enough to tell you the truth and not just, oh, no, you're not. Because if I told you you were, I would get shot. Not that. Ask someone who loves you enough to tell you the truth. Because God's people should be people who trust in God's sovereignty. His control ultimately Our trust in Him should drive us to continual prayer and reliance in our great God. We are to plant seeds. We are to water. But ultimately, God is the one who does the work of growing and transforming and convicting and renewing. God is the one who does that. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. We join God in His mission and work. We do not set ourselves up as God, as the controller. We set ourselves up as follower of our great God. Under his authority. The last group we'll talk about are the tempters. Paul speaks of this group, in, group of people in Galatians 5. He's writing this, this letter to the Galatian church and he's talking about people who, who came in and began leading the believers away from truth or away from the gospel. Galatians 5, verse 7, starting in verse 7, it says this You're running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. God does not deal lightly with those who lead others astray, who lead people away from Jesus, who lead people away from truth, from the gospel found in Christ. Some of us have people in our lives that tempt us to live, believe, speak, or act in a way that's contrary to, to how God would have his people live. This could be your boyfriend, your girlfriend that's always tempting you sexually, trying to push you to do something that you know wouldn't honor the Lord. This could be your buddies like, come on, come on, let's go out. But you know where that path leads. I was talking to a friend recently and as he was looking back on his life, he could see how when he, when he went out with this crowd, it pulled him away from his wife and children. It didn't lead to a place that motivated his love for the Lord or those closest to him. And listen, don't misunderstand. This category is not just about sex, drugs, and booze, all right? It could be that you've got a tempting friend that's incredibly materialistic. Every time you're with this person, it just kind of sucks you in. You're like, I went shopping today, not realizing I really needed so much. And by by the looks of my trunk, I needed a lot. And it's not like they're horrible people, but it just kind of rubs off on you and causes your actions, your attitudes, your words to not be God-glorifying. So the relationships we have in life, they have this ability to be toxic and take you away from God's path, ultimately leading to destruction, James 1.15. Now, it's not simply enough to identify the people in our lives uh, who are like this or become aware that we are sometimes like this. Rather, we, we have to know, okay, what are we supposed to do now? In our relationships, our goal is always to minister, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are to minister to people. We are to bring life. So we're not going to go around with a referee jersey and a whistle going, toxic, 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 toxic. But we have to stay spiritually healthy because if we're not spiritually healthy, then we can't help the people around us. In case of emergency, you put your oxygen mask on first, right? If if we are not following Jesus then we can't point someone to a place that we are not also traveling. So we have to know Him first. This is why why God starts with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is why we start our vision statement with it's about being devoted to Jesus. It all starts on that. So let's look at two very simple, practical principles on how we learn uh, to be effectively... uh, effectively and just kind of biblically manage toxic relationships in our life because it's not necessarily that we're going to hunker down and go find a bomb shelter and avoid all these but then how are we going to instead of that how are we going to respond to this in a biblical way the first is this we need to set healthy boundaries some of you might have read the book or gone through uh, the study of the book before by uh, henry cloud john townsend called boundaries it's a solid book i'd recommend it it's been around for many years but we have to learn to set healthy boundaries So what does a boundary do? A boundary brings definition and clarity. It serves as a gatekeeper to what will be allowed to come into our hearts and lives. Think about this. Jesus had boundaries. He didn't allow the crowd or others to dictate how he would respond or act. He invited 12 men to be his disciples, to be with him. He did not invite 200 He would often leave those closest to him and get away to pray, to spend time with the Father, Luke 5, 16. Even though life was demanding, the crowds were pressing in, he made a habit of withdrawing and setting up these healthy boundaries. He even had boundaries with his very closest friends whenever they tried to take him away from doing something that God wanted him to do. Peter was one of those. Uh, whose life we're going to study later this spring. I'm excited about that. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. And at one point, Jesus is telling his disciples, including Peter, he says, I, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be killed. On the third day, I'm going to rise again. And, and you pick up the story in Matthew 16, verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In other words, Peter, what you're saying, it's going to lead me away from doing the Father's will. And what you and I have to do, have to be willing to do for the glory of God, for the sake of guarding our hearts, so that we can grow in our devotion and our love to Jesus, we need to be willing to set up healthy boundaries at the appropriate times. Two simple ways. There may be times when someone is demanding, talking about the, uh, talking about the wrong things, they're tempting you, and you're just going to you're just gonna have to be willing to say, and willing to say this, I won't let you talk to me or treat me in that way. You're not going to come out with a roundhouse punch, or you're not yelling. It's just very calmly You're putting up a healthy boundary saying, I'm not going to let you talk to me or treat me in that way. For example, uh, if you have a friend who's always gossiping, you find yourself after 30 minutes of conversation not having talked about your own lives, but only talked about other people's lives, and you get sucked into this, and frankly, it's toxic, it's sinful. Gossip makes the Romans one list of things God has wrath toward. And in small-town world, let's just be honest, in small-town world, It's deemed appropriate. It's deemed acceptable. God's word, it's not. God's church, it's not. If we're not part of the solution or the problem when we're talking about it, then it's gossip. So this begins to happen, and you're just going to have to say, if you're going to gossip like that, I'm not going to be a part of it. I don't want to talk about so-and-so. I don't want to hear the latest morsel. You're not going to be a jerk about it. You're just going to say, I'm not going to go there. I've got to draw a boundary. Heather did this uh, just recently with somebody, uh, kind of an acquaintance that she saw. And, uh, and she started talking and wanted to kind of you know, engage in some family gossip. And, uh, and Heather didn't really give anything. And, uh, and it was awkward. It was kind of like this awkward pause. And, and then she began to justify why she wanted to talk about it. But you just have to be willing to set up these boundaries that ultimately honor God. Ladies, you may be married and you've got some other friends that are trash-talking their husbands all the time. On and on and on they go. And it kind of gets into your soul and it begins to be toxic in your own relationship and you're just going to have to say you know what, I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to speak the best. So I'm not just going to be a part of this. I'm not going to go there. You're going to apply Ephesians 5.33 which says wives must respect their husbands. Men, you may have a buddy that you work out with or that you work with, and he's like, hey, hey, did you see her over there? Did you see that new girl in HR? I mean, she is hot with two Ts. And you've got to stand firm and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to pollute my mind with that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to be tempted in that way. You're going to apply Ephesians 5.33, which, which says husbands must love their wives. It's a very simple, very practical boundary, and you state it. Here's a boundary. We're not going to do that. The second thing is you might have to say is, I'm not going to go there with you, wherever there is. Maybe you had a problem with alcohol in the past, and your temptation is to escape through the use of alcohol, and you've got some friends who are still doing that, and they're like, come on, it's Friday night. I mean, it's been a long weird work week. It's girls' night out. It's, it's guys, let's do this. And you've got to draw a boundary that says, I love you as my friend, but I, I can't go there. That's not what I'm going to do. It won't lead me. That environment won't lead me to loving Jesus more, being more devoted to Him. It won't lead me to reflecting Him in a greater way to the people around me. Or the old, old boyfriend or girlfriend on Facebook begins to try to engage you in a relationship even though you're married and you've got to draw a boundary. Defriend. friend Bye, 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 bye. Right? <laughs> huh? Or the friend of the opposite sex at work that says, hey, can we do lunch sometime? I mean, can we do lunch? And once again, you're married and you're like, no, I'll, I'll find my calories elsewhere. You draw a healthy, God-honoring, marriage-honoring, wife-husband-honoring boundary. Singles, you're dating someone, and even though you're both believers, that sexual temptation is there, and you've got to draw a boundary. You've got to ask yourself, you've got to ask somebody who loves you enough who you'll be honest enough with to hold you accountable, to ask you the hard questions, to avoid putting yourself into a toxic situation. Now, all that being said, there will be times when you do that and someone does not respect the boundary. They continue to tempt, criticize, abuse, poison, like the little kid that some of you have in your homes that like, see the boundary and like da, 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 skips across that boundary. Right? They're just kind of relentless and wanting to criticize, control, tempt. And at some point, you may very well need to cut off the toxic relationship. Now, that sounds drastic, but there are situations where you have to cut it off. I want to be very clear. I'm not talking about divorce here. I mean, please do not come home. Go home today at lunch going, you're toxic. We're done. Please don't do that. All right? Because if you're in a toxic marriage, for the most part, it's because both of you are toxic. It's because both of you, there's sin, most often pride at the root of it. If you're you're physically sick, you go to a doctor. If you're spiritually, emotionally sick, you have a toxic marriage, you go to a biblical counselor. You talk to a leader around here. You get it into the light. Listen, it won't get better with you continuing to try to do the same things you've tried for years. It won't get better. You have to get it into the light. I'm also not talking about divorcing your family. I mean, some of you would like to, but you can't. Your family, all right? It's a sad day when a parent will say, I'm writing my child off. Just writing them off. Or to see a child saying, I'm, I'm never speaking to mom again. I'm never speaking to dad again. Especially if you're a believing child, if you're a believer with a parent, you live in this tension of honoring your father and mother. Exodus 20, top 10 list from God. And yet also placing Jesus as the priority over any other relationship, Luke 14, where Jesus is your Lord and the one you're living for. Within the family, we work through the pain. We work through the conflict for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God's and Jesus' name. The only time you're going to cut it off is when there's this threat of extreme abuse or for your own safety. So in this idea of cutting off relationship, I'm talking about a broader set of relationships here. You can see a great example of this uh, when Joseph, in the Old Testament, Genesis 39, he's serving and honoring Potiphar's family. Anything the family needed, he was there for. And then Potiphar's wife asks him to come to bed with me. And this was not via text. This was face-to-face, come to bed with me. And we read Joseph's response in verse 12, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. That's a man of integrity. That's a man of integrity without hesitation. Notice he didn't say, it is obvious that you have some spiritual challenges. Could we talk about this? Could we hold hands and pray about your lust issues that God would deliver you from? He doesn't say that. He takes off, possibly buck naked, out out of the building for the sake of God's name for the sake of His integrity. And sometimes this is what we do, though. We kind of linger. We put ourselves in very toxic situations. We kind of can justify our sin in several different ways. Maybe you're a student and you've got a friend sending you inappropriate text messages and you you have to draw the boundary. Stop, I I don't want to see these anymore. And if you continue to see them, then you block the number. You change your own phone number. You draw the boundary to avoid the toxic influence. You're following somebody on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and their posts tempt you to be toxic. They, they tempt you away from the things of the Lord. You need to stop following them. Unsubscribe. You've got a business partner, and they're wanting to do something unethical, and you say, no, we're not going to do that. that. They insist, and you can't come to an agreement that would honor your biblical values. So, you've got to say, you know what, I I just can't continue in this relationship. I can't compromise. We can't be business partners anymore. And you come to understanding kind of an application of the truth of 2 Corinthians 6 that says, For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Ladies, you may be dating someone who you know is not good for you. Everyone around you tells you that. I mean, you could be a believer, but they are not. and you know that that relationship is dysfunctional at best, maybe you think it's going to turn around, and, well, he treats me poorly, but like 10% of the time, he really tells me he loves me when he wants something. And, and you have to get to the point where you say, God, I'm trusting you for my future. So you break off that relationship. You sing some T-Swift. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. Right? Right? You think I'm lying. Some of you need to literally do that this week. In sync and Taylor Swift in the same message. Don't tell me that isn't a great message. It'll never happen again, by the way. <laughs> First and last time. You put your faith in God's plans for your life and His ways. Do you ultimately trust Him with more than just your salvation? Do you only trust Him for the forgiveness of your sin? Or do you trust Him that His future, His plans, His ways are higher than your ways? They are. So it's just this daily surrendering. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to take back control. I'm not going to take this thing back under my ownership. This is yours. My life is yours. Now, let me be very very clear. Cutting off relationships should be a a very rare thing for a Christian to do. It really should. It's not something to take lightly or kind of haphazardly. Please don't this week Gone, 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 gone. Because we live in this tension as a believer of being salt and light, a witness to this world, a testimony of the good news of Jesus, and yet also as believers pursuing a life of holiness, being set apart. In the end, becoming more like Christ is the goal. Christ, who both engaged the lost, built relationships with the marginalized, with the outcast with the lowest of the low, the people that religious leaders had discounted and would not encounter. But Jesus, who also was without sin and did whatever the Father asked him. John 5, 19. So this is the tension that that we, we, we live in. That tension is not to be solved. If it's solved, then we've messed up. If we solve that tension, then we either become a Pharisee or we don't honor the Lord with anything. I'd say that ending relationships might be vo- more common for those, of, for those of us who are just kind of beginning to walk with Jesus. Maybe you've just recently put your faith and trust in Christ. You've, maybe you took a step of baptism. Maybe you, over just the last two or three years, maybe even the last two or three months, you could be coming out of some polluted relationships. And the truth of God's Word is Compared to seed in Luke 8, that seed is just beginning to take root. And here's what Scripture says. Don't let the worries, the pleasures of this world, the trials, to hinder that growth. You may have a friend or, or friends that are pretty aggressive in trying to get you to turn back to your old ways or beliefs. Listen to Proverbs twelve twenty six: A righteous man is cautious in friendship but the way of the wicked leads them astray. As followers of Jesus, we set up healthy, appropriate boundaries that lead us to greater love and obedience to Jesus so that our love for Jesus might overflow to those around us and ultimately so that God gets the glory for how we live and honor Him. Let's pray together. Lord, I... uh, I'm so thankful for Your Word. I'm thankful that it's living and active and breathing. And that, uh, as Your Scripture says, it, it cuts to our hearts. It, it judges the thoughts that we have, judges our beliefs. And I pray as a, as a church, we would just kind of come under Your Word daily, weekly, to be changed and transformed by it, to be encouraged, to be corrected, to be trained, to be rebuked to be taught. As followers of you, we want to uh, reject those sinful desires that wage war against our souls as 1 Peter talks about. For those of us here who recognize that we ourselves are toxic, that we have this tendency that maybe this has even just been in our past, whether it's a a critical spirit or that we're prone to just kind of controlling, or that we ourselves are... tempting others to sin, to lead others astray. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. Humble us. As a church, as followers of you, we want to be a people of great hope and God-sized faith, a people of surrender and humility and trust in your work ultimately, a people of goodness, a people who are pursuing holiness, not for our name's sake, not out of a self-righteous attitude, but because we want to honor you. We want others to ultimately see you through us. For those of us here who recognize that that we need to set healthy boundaries, possibly even cut off a relationship or two this week, I pray you give us abundant discernment and wisdom to know how, to know what to say, when to say it. Give us courage, give us conviction. Teach us to be quick to forgive, love our enemies, bless those who curse us. And yet to know when a relationship has become toxic and a hindrance to our faith and our, and our love to you. Give us the courage. Give us the conviction to respond to your voice today. May we not walk out of here and within 10 minutes forget what you've called us to do. Thank you that in Jesus, everything's possible. That in Jesus, he, he died so that we might live, that he loved so that we might love others, that he forgave so that we might forgive others. Transform and renew us. Make us more like you, Jesus. We pray this in your name, in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.